0: Jonah was a man on the run. He was running from God. God said go, Jonah said no. God will often ask you to do things that you don't really want to do. We can run from God, but we can't outrun God. You know why? Because he loves us too much. He cares too much about us to let us just run away and be out there on our own. And when the word of the Lord comes to you, and it will come to you, And and God wants you to do something you don't really want to do. you got a choice. Are you going to obey or are you going to run? Are you going to allow the Jonah in you to show up? And if you want to run from God, you can always find a ship sailing in the wrong direction. But God loves you so much, he may send a storm to get your attention. It's time to stop running from God and run to God. Run into his loving arms. Good morning. Good to see you guys today. Hey, didn't Richard do a good job, Spur of the Moment, filling in this morning? He jumped right in there like a like a pro. Now some of you may have thought, you know, he kinda looks a little bit like Gary and he and he sounds a little bit like Gary. I mean I, I understand he's much better looking than Gary. I understand that. Like a younger version of Gary, that is actually, Richard is Gary's youngest brother, his younger brother. And so he's a part of our team now, going to be helping out with a lot of media and technical stuff and leading worship every once in a while. And we knew we needed him, we just didn't realize how quick and how bad we needed him because Gary has never been sick in all of his ministry on a Sunday morning and he got sick in the middle of the night and he could not lead today. And so God knew we needed Richard here and so he did a great job this morning. If you haven't already, take out your Bibles, your mobile devices, turn to the book of... Jonah, you got it. Jonah chapter two, it's on page 376. If you are using one of the Bibles you picked up when you came in this morning, uh, if you're trying to find the book of Jonah, if you start in Genesis and go to the right, uh, you'll never get there. So let me help you out. Start in your New Testament, the book of Matthew, and go about seven books to the left. That's the best way to find Jonah. As you're finding your way there this morning, um, I had made a plea a couple weeks ago about our men's retreat, uh, encouraging you men to quit uh, uh, procrastinating and, and get signed up and you guys respond in an awesome way. We are probably going to have as many or probably more men attend this year's men's retreat than we had last year. So good job on the signups. Let me just say this, uh, we have to put a date on it so we can get our contract in, but they've told us we can continue to add some people for a couple of weeks. So men, if you're thinking about considering uh, going on the men's retreat, quit thinking, quit considering, just do it. Just go out, sign up at the Got Questions table, or I think you can go to our website and sign up through that. Uh, Get signed up. It's not too late. We're going to have an incredible men's retreat this year. And we've had a couple of men said, well, I I just don't have enough money to go. We never want money to be a reason for you not to go on one of our men's or ladies' retreats. Amen, church? We want everybody to be able to go. And we've actually had several people, men, and some families in our church who have given some scholarship money to help men go that maybe just are tight right now and don't have the finances to go. And so please come come see me, uh, one of our leaders. Uh, let us know that. Um, you can even just give us your name, your, your phone number, and on your connection card where it says other, check the box and put men's retreat. Help. I need some help. And and somebody will contact you because we want you to be able to go. If you would like to help pay some other scholarships for men to go, let us know that as well, um, because we're going to have an incredible men's retreat this year. So looking forward to that. Uh, Let me ask you this question. How many of you, by show of hands, believe in the power of prayer? Would you raise your hands? You believe in the power of prayer? Awesome. Put them down. Let me ask this. Now, be honest. How many of you ever found yourself maybe kind of getting a little lax on your prayers and you stop praying and then something happened where God got your attention, maybe something bad happened and all of a sudden your prayer life kicked into overdrive again. Raise your hand, be honest. Yeah, we've all been there. That's the context of our story today As we're gonna gonna learn about Jonah's prayer. We left off, Jonah last week was a man on the run. He was running from God. God told him to go and he said, no, I'm not gonna do that, God. I think that's a good idea. And I wanna give you uh, some bearings, put the map up on the screen again. Um, Where Jonah was was supposed to go And guys help me out with this God told Jonah He was a prophet But we call him the reluctant prophet He was reluctant to do what God asked And God told him Listen Jonah I want you to go to this city They're wicked I want you to, to tell them To stop their wickedness Or there's going to be consequences And what was the name of the city Where Jonah was supposed to go? Nineveh Not Narnia Nineveh He said go to Nineveh But Jonah, instead of going from Israel up to Nineveh to the northeast, he went down to Joppa. It was a seaport town. He got on a ship and he made the over a year journey, 2,694 miles all the way to another city named what? Tarshish. That's a hard one to say. You got to be careful with that one. Tarshish. But as you can see, God said, go to Nineveh. Jonah went in the very opposite to the other end of the world. At that point, the known world was right here to Tarshish. He went as far away from God as he he could go. And as we said last week, you you can run from God, but you can't outrun God. God loves us. He's going to pursue us. He's going to come after us. So God sends a storm to get Jonah's attention. It gets not only Jonah's attention, but the sailor's attention. If that's for me, I'm I'm not available right now. Gets Jonah's attention. They throw him overboard because they realize it's his fault. And he's left to to drown there in the water. And if that's not bad enough, he starts sinking. And then God prepares this fish to come and swallow Jonah. And that's where we left off last week. Let's just look at chapter 1, verse 17. It says, Now the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. And I have it here in my notes. I'll bet he did. I'll bet he did. God certainly had Jonah's attention, and now Jonah is going to, he probably had not been praying as he was running from God, but now his prayer life is going to kick into overdrive. And he's going to start crying out and praying to God, and we've got this incredibly uh, prayer recorded by Jonah in this chapter. This, this is If you enjoyed last week, this week's even better. But how this applies to us is sometimes in our life, we run from God, don't we? We run from God's will. We run from God's plan. And when we run from God, we're usually trying to run to something else. Maybe it's a relationship that God says, that's not going to be healthy for you, but we want that relationship anyway. It might be a financial decision that God would not be honored in, and we we run. It, It might be that God has called us to do something or to a ministry, and we run from God. It might be a decision we need to make. Sometimes God calls us to start doing certain things, sometimes God calls us to stop doing certain things, but we can sometimes choose to run from God instead of obeying his will just like Jonah. And what, what, what happens a lot of times when we run from God is we say things like, well, I'll stop running when? I'll stop running when I get married. I'll settle down, I'll get right with God. Also, my wife and I, we're having a good time. We're married. We got no kids yet. Party. And so we're going to run from God. And then when we have kids, we'll stop running from God because, you know, we'll have kids and they'll be watching. Some of you may say, well, I'll stop running when this deal is done because it's a little bit iffy. Some, some of our young people in our church may, maybe said last week, okay, I know we're talking about Jonah running from God and we need to stop running from God. And they were like, it's spring break. I'll stop running from God after spring break. And as Jonah was running from God, he learned an important lesson we're going to learn today. You have it in your notes. Here's, here's what I want you to understand. That when we're running from God, God is gracious. He's generous in his grace. But he's thorough in his discipline. When we're running from God, God is generous in his grace. He's a God of second chances. Amen? But he's thorough in his discipline. You know why he's thorough in his discipline? Because we're his children. And he's our heavenly father if we know Jesus our Lord and Savior. And he loves us too much to allow us to just keep running from him and facing the consequences of running from God's will and plan for our life. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 5, says it this way. Listen to this. My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you. Some of you may need to hear this right now. For the Lord disciplines those he what, church? That he loves. And he he punishes each one he accepts as his child. You see, when when we're running from God and we're disobeying him and he disciplines us, that's a good thing. Because it shows that God loves us as his children being disciplined, but it also lets us know we're his children. Because if you can completely run from God throughout your life and live a life of sin and do whatever you want and there's nothing bad ever happens to you, that's not a good thing. That might be an indicator you're not a child of God. The the writer goes on and he he says this. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It is painful. Can I have an amen? (laughs) Isn't that the truth? But afterward, thank you. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Trained in what way? Trained by the loving discipline of God. God is generous in his grace, but he's thorough in his discipline. And God's discipline is not to pay us back, it's to win us back. Because we have a God of second chances. Are you thankful for that, church? And today, Jonah, in chapter 2, is being won back to his heavenly father, to God who he'd been running from. And he records the stages of this amazing prayer. Now we believe that Jonah was the writer of the book of Jonah and that he is telling his story. It's his autobiography of what happened to him as he was running from God and how God got his attention. But I want you to to understand because I, I, I don't know what you're thinking on this as we see this prayer recorded. It's not like Jonah, you know, was in the fish or whale, whatever, you know, that God prepared and he's like got paper and pen and a flashlight and he's like okay I'm going to write this prayer down so it makes it in scripture and I'm going to record it but this is really tough because man this whale he's like going up and down and fast and you know and so it, you know it's not like he stopped at one point and said well I guess I got to speak to him in whaley please stop sorry too much nemo and dory when my kids were little some of y'all got that no this is a snapshot of Jonah's prayer I'm sure Jonah, three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, of the fish, he prayed many, many prayers. He probably didn't stop praying. And he encapsulates in chapter 2 just a snapshot, a kind of a cliff notes that embodies what he prayed. And it's incredible. If you're taking notes, look at the stages of this prayer. First of all, Jonah prayed for God's help. He prayed for God's help. Verse 2, and he said, Jonah said, I cried out to the Lord because of my what, church? Affliction. I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. God had his attention. He was being afflicted. He was in the belly of this fish three days and three nights, and he cried, finally decides, I better start praying again, and he cries out for God's help in affliction. 2,500 years ago, a man named Jonah prayed like a lot of us. Out of affliction. Out of difficulty, out of distress, out of discipline. God was disciplining Jonah because of his running. And and that's how a lot of us pray at times. You know, we're running from God, we're kind of doing our own thing, then God does something to get our attention. And out of affliction, we cry out to God. Out of the back of the police car, we start praying again. Out of the doctor's office when the report is read. Out of the hospital bedside of a friend or loved one. God gets our attention. We call out to God out of the bill that comes in the mail because of a bad financial decisions that we were dreading. We, out of affliction, cry out to God. We read the pregnancy test and we cry out to God. Jonah goes on and he says, and he answered me. I cried out to God. I prayed to him out of affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried. And you heard my voice. Everybody say sheol. sheol. That's a Hebrew word that means the realm of the dead. Jonah was as good as dead when he was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Some scholars even believe he may have been dead and God resurrected him. We don't know for sure. One of the reasons we think that is because Jesus, when he said, here's the sign to Israel about me, he gave the story of Jonah. Jonah. He said, just like Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, three days, I'm going to be in the tomb. And then he rose again on the third day. We're getting ready to celebrate that in a couple of weeks. But he was, if he wasn't dead, he was as good as dead. Jonah was miserable. He was helpless. He was cold. He was wet. He was desperate. He was afraid. He was hurting. He was depressed. And he cried out to God out of the belly of Sheol, out of affliction, Some of you can identify with this today. You can identify with Jonah. You would say, right now, I'm in the middle of Sheol. I'm in the middle of affliction. I need to cry out to God in the middle of the Sheol of my marriage, in the middle of Sheol of my finances, in the middle of Sheol of my health or my hurt or my pain. And here's the great news, church. Don't miss this. God responds to the desperate cries of his people, even when it's our fault. Is that good news or what? God responds to the desperate cries of affliction of his children, even when it's of our own creation and our own doing. Jonah brought this all upon himself. And God is thorough in his discipline, but he is generous in his grace toward Jonah and toward us. And the the great news is, verse 2, it says, I cried out in my affliction out of the belly of Sheol, and he what? He answered me. He heard my voice. You see, God responds to his people when we need him the most, but oftentimes deserve it the least. We need him the most, but we deserve it the least. That was Jonah. That may be you, but the good news is he does respond. He hears. He answers. And it's so sad when I hear people say, I can't go back to God. I can't go back to church. I can't, I've done too much wrong. I've done, I've disobeyed too long. I've committed too many sins. God would never forgive me. God would never have me back. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That is not God's heart. Amen, church? God's heart is you turn to me and I will forgive you. I will give you my grace. I will give you my mercy. The last time I checked my Bible, one of my favorite verses is still true. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of, help me, church, all unrighteousness. Not some, not most, all unrighteousness. That means living that is not right and pleasing to God. When we're out of His will and out of His plan and we're running from Him, we have a God who is gracious and merciful and trying to win us back. And God answered Jonah and God heard Jonah, and He will do the same for many of you today. If you will call upon him. If you'll pray to him. If you'll cry out in your time of affliction in the belly of Sheol. Unfortunately, too many times we wait till things get really bad to call on God. Oh, honey, things are bad. How bad? Oh, they're bad. Oh, they're bad. They're bad. They're bad. They're really, really bad. The only thing now I know to do is pray. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Amen? It should be our first response, not our last resort. Don't wait until you're in the belly of Sheol in affliction to cry out to God. And so first we see Jonah prayed for God's help, and God answered him. God heard him. God responded. That's good news. If we stopped right there, it's been a good day. Amen? But it gets better. It gets better. Jonah accepted Number two, Jonah accepted God's discipline because God is generous in his grace, but he's third in his discipline. Verse three, Jonah said, look, look at the second word, for you, how many of your Bibles, the Y is capitalized. You know who he's talking to? God, his heavenly father. For you, God, cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. Now we know that in the story, it was the sailors that threw him overboard, but Jonah recognized they were just tools and instruments in the hand of of almighty God, God orchestrated this event. You cast me, God, into the deep and into the heart of the sea, and the floods surrounded me, and your billows, your waves, and your waves passed over me. Jonah realized that this was discipline coming from God, and he was learning to accept it because God is generous in his grace, but he's thorough in his discipline. Now, I wonder this question. When do you think Jonah repented? When do you think God had Jonah's full attention? Was it, you know, was it when he finally hit the water and he was trying to swim and he was getting tired and he was going to drown and he began to sink? Was it when the fish that God prepared came and swallowed him and then he was in the belly of the fish? Is that when he finally said, okay, God, I repent? Was it it after the one day in the belly of the fish? Was it after two days? Was it after three days? I would suggest that I think Jonah repented the moment the sailors went three and threw him into the air and before he hit the water, he was repentant. Okay, God, you got my attention. I'll do whatever. I'll go wherever. I'll go to Nineveh, Narnia, wherever. I'll do what you've asked me to do. But God still allows him to go through this process of discipline because God is thorough in his discipline. He allowed him to be not one day, not two days, but three days in the belly of the fish to be thorough in his discipline. Three days in the Bible represents death. He had to completely die to self to his will and his plan to do what God wanted him to do. And God wanted him to learn a very important lesson that we as parents want our children to learn at an early age. And here's the lesson, that rebellion always leads to pain. Isn't that true? Either the pain of the consequences or the pain of the discipline. We wanted our kids to learn this at an early age, that rebellion leads to pain. I'm going to announce publicly to Orchard Church something this morning. The Damerons were a spanking family. Please don't send me emails, texts, all that. You do what you want to do with your kids. But it worked for us. We wanted our kids to understand that rebellion leads to pain. And we loved them. We cared about them. And my parents spanked me. Uh, Shelly's parents spanked her. We think we turned out pretty good. We're glad our parents did that for us. We wish some of your parents would have done that for you. but that's another message. (laughs) And I remember when we would have, and our kids did not get a lot of spankings because my wife, this was her theme. We should have put this on a plaque. She used to say this all the time, a spanking in time saves nine. And so we didn't have to spank our kids very much because they learned very early on that rebellion leads to pain. And um, Caleb Our our oldest child, they're both teenagers now, you know your kids, people ask this question sometimes in parenting. They they say, when is it time, you know, if you spank your kids, when is it time to not spank your kids? It's easy. When they ask for a spanking rather than being grounded from technology or something, it's time. (laughs) They'll tell you. They'll let you know. That was worth the price of admission right there. Some of your parents owe me today on that one. But um, Caleb was our strong-willed child. I mean, when he got something in his head, which makes him a great leader today, but made it really difficult for us to parent him. Caitlin was a little bit more easygoing. I mean, both of them are pretty strong-willed, but she was, you know, if you just kind of look at her and act like you're upset, she would just kind of melt, you know? And so, you know, Caleb needed more spankings than than Caitlin did because he rebelled more. And I I, I have to be honest, Um, I'm going to make a confession. And I I was able to get away with this in the first service because my wife wasn't in that service, but I just noticed she's in this service. So sorry, honey. (laughs) But here's my confession for you guys today. When I would have to spank Caitlin, uh, we call her Missy, when she would need a spanking, and we would always set our kids down. We would, we would calm ourselves. We'd tell them, okay, you're going to get a spanking. You know that, yes. You know why you did this wrong. We'd explain it. We'd tell them how many they're going to get. And we'd get ready to spank them. And, uh, you know, with, with Caleb, because he was a strong-willed child and he's a boy, it, I had no problem spanking him. As a matter of fact, I felt like Ivan Drago when I spanked Caleb. From Rocky, you know, I must break you. <laughs> but with Caitlin, you know, a little girl, it'd be time for a spanking for some pain because of rebellion. She'd be like, oh, I'd be like, oh, here's my confession. There were times that I would go into a room to spank Caitlin, and I would look around, see if mom was around. I'd say, okay, here you go. (laughs) Oh, it's okay, it's okay. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Caleb was different. And when we would sit Caleb down, we'd we'd always send him to the room. You sit in your room, think about what you did, you're going to get a spank, and they'd have to think about it, you know. They go after to the room. We walk in the door. Caleb's crying his eyes out. He, he, I walk in the door, and it's time to talk about the spanking, and he is already a new man. I mean, he's, he's like, oh, daddy, forgive me. I'm so sorry. I'll never do it again. I promise. I'll never do it again. I mean, he is already repentant. He is, he's already recognized what he has done. But you know what I did? I spanked him. Because it had to be Thorough because he had to understand that rebellion leads to pain. But it was hilarious when I would spank him. Let me tell you why. You, Caleb probably doesn't think so. But he, we went through the same thing with Caleb every time. Every time. We'd get in the room and he, he would say, okay, it's time for your spanking, here's what you did wrong, and we'd explain everything. Okay, here we, here we go. And he'd oh, oh, wait, 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 I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't, I, I can't breathe. Let me get some breath, let me get my breath. This would go on for like three minutes. So he finally catches his breath. I said, okay, ready? And he said, okay, okay. Wait, 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 wait. How many? How many? How? He always had to no, know how many. I said, three. Okay, okay, three, three. And he always negotiate. How about two? <laughs> no, nope, it's three. No, how about just, just two? How about, how about two hard ones and one not so hard one? Negotiator. So i say, it's going to be three spankings. Okay, okay. You see, wait wait, I can't breathe. And this would go back and forth. I can't breathe. How many? And we'd be go, I mean, this would go on for like five minutes sometimes. And I'd have to like keep my composure. And then so finally, a Aguirre's spanking. He catches his breath. He knew how many. And then he would always, every time, he'd stop. he go, wait, 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 wait. Not a hard one. Not a hard one. Every time. But he would get a spanking. You know why? Because we love him. Because we love our kids. And we want them to understand that rebellion leads to pain. And God, our Heavenly Father, knows the same thing. God knows that discipline must be thorough to ensure we don't run again. It had to be thorough for Jonah. It has to be thorough for us. And he did this because he loved Jonah. And I'll say it again, and I think you have it in your notes. God is not trying to pay us back when he disciplines us. He is trying to win us back. He loves us, and Jonah accepted the loving discipline of God. Jonah prayed for God's help. He accepted God's discipline, and then Jonah trusted God's promises. Look at what happens in verse 4. Jonah said, I have been cast out of your sight, God, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. I haven't been looking for you, God, but now I am. I'm looking for you, to you. To the temple where your presence is. The waters surrounded me even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. You can just hear the description, the thoroughness of this discipline. He says, I went, what's the next word? Down. How many times have we seen the word down in the first two chapters? I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. He thought he was as good as dead. And then these two words change everything. Yet you. Everybody say, yet you. Last week we saw now you and but you. Now we see and yet you, Lord. This is where his life and ours can change. Yet you have brought up. First time we see the word up. Brought up my life from the pit, O oh Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. I remembered his promises. I remembered my relationship with him. And my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Jonah had been going in one direction to this point in the story, down, 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 down. I think five, six times we've read the word down. Jonah went down to Joppa. He went down into the ship. He went down into the sea. He went down into the fish's belly. When we run from God, Jonah's trying to let us know something. God's trying to tell us something here. There's only one direction our life heads, down, not up. But what was it that changed? What turned Jonah's life around? It's what happened in verse seven. When my soul fainted in me, I remembered the Lord. And then in verse six, he says, yet you have brought me up. I remembered my God, my heavenly father. I remembered his promises. Yet you, Lord, brought me up when I was going down. And I was down about as low as you could get. And when Jonah was at his lowest point, By faith, he looked up to God and he trusted God's promises. And there are hundreds and thousands of the promises of God in the scriptures. But let me just throw out a few that I wonder if Jonah remembered some of these promises like Psalm 18.6 that says, But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary, his temple. My cry to him reached his ears. I wonder if he prayed, like the the writer of Hebrews 13.5, if he remembered this promise, for he himself has said, I will never, everybody say never, I will never leave you nor forsake you, Jonah. I will never leave you or forsake you, Christian. Hebrews 4.16 says, another promise, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help when we need it most. Promises assurances from our God when we are down and out and at our lowest point. I love what it says in Hebrews. When we need it, we can look to our God. We can call to him when we need it most. That's some of you today. Some of you today need him most. And you need to do what Jonah did. Remember your God. Remember the Lord. Remember his promises. You need a yet you Lord moment in your life. Some of you need a yet you Lord moment for your marriage. Some of you need a yet you Lord moment for your family. Some of you need a yet you Lord moment for your finances. A yet you Lord moment for your health or a decision. You're down. You're in the pit. But if you will look up to God, claim his promises you will find that God is generous in his grace. Trust his promises. Look up to him. Everything changed as Jonah began to pray that kind of prayer. Jonah prayed for God's help. He accepted God's discipline. He trusted God's promises. Now, it doesn't end there because the Bible says we're to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. There was one more thing left for Jonah to do, and that was this. Jonah surrendered to God's will. He's now going to say yes instead of no. He's going to go instead of saying no. In verse 8 through 10, it says, Those who regard, this is still Jonah's prayer. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. mercy. Notice mercy is capitalized. He's talking about the mercy of God in our life. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed because salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. He was literally brought up. This is the pinnacle of Jonah's prayer. Verse 8, Jonah is like, you know, it's... Jonah saying in verse 8, those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. He's saying, take it from me. Trust me. Don't make the same mistake that I made. Don't run from God. Don't run from his plan. Don't run from his will. Obey him. Because when you run from God, you are chasing worthless idols and missing out on God's mercy in your life. And we hear words like mercy and grace. We hear them all the time. And they sometimes lose their meaning. The word mercy right here is the Hebrew word hasid. Everybody say hasid. Hasid. And it means this. The pursuing love of a relationship with God. When you chase anything but God, you miss out on the pursuing loving relationship of a merciful God. And instead, you trade it for worthless idols. When we run from God and his will and plan for our life, what we usually do is we run from God's will and we run to our will. And that will takes on different shapes and forms. It may be that we run from God because we're running to a person that God says is not going to be healthy. It may be we're running from God to run to a pleasure. We're running to a possession. We're running to a position, thinking that will satisfy me. That will fulfill me. And Jonah says, take it from me. They're worthless idols. At the end of the day, they're worthless idols. You say, what's a worthless idol? Anything we put before God in our relationship with him is a worthless idol. Anything, any person. And Jonah's like, trust me, it's not worth it. Notice he's not even talking right here about the fish. He's just talking about missing out on his intimate relationship with his heavenly father. That's what he misses the most. And like Jonah we realize at some point in our life that there's nothing better than being in the center of God's will and plan for our life and experiencing the pursuing, loving relationship and grace and mercy and redemption and salvation of our God and Father. There's nothing like it. You know how I know this is true and how Jonah knew this was true and why everything else is called a worthless idol? Think about it. In your times of affliction, And other people's times of affliction. In the belly of Sheol. Who do we cry out for? We do not cry out for the idols we left God for. We cry out to God. Amen? We cry out to God. We cry out to our Heavenly Father. Not the things that we ran from Him to run to. And Jonah was tired of running from God and missing out on this pursuing, loving, and merciful relationship. And what does he do? He surrenders fully to obey God's will. Full surrender. Jonah's like, I'm waving the white flag, God. You have my attention. I'm going to do what you've called me and asked me to do. We know that because in verse nine, Jonah says, I will pay what I have vowed. You know what Jonah's saying? I'll make good on what you want me to do. I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Nineveh. Next week, you don't want to miss it. We're going to see him obey and go to Nineveh. And there's some interesting things that happen. But he says, I'm going to pay my vow. I mean, how many times do you think he promised God inside of that fish? God, if you get me out of here, I'll go to Nineveh, Narnia. I'll go wherever. I'll go anywhere, God. God, get me out of this. How many times have we prayed that? God, if you'll get me out of this, I will serve in the children's ministry every service for the rest of my life. God, I will serve, I will tithe, I will go to small group, discipleship, whatever. I'll go on a mission trip. But do we follow through? Jonah follows through. And Jonah fully surrenders and he says, I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. I'm going to keep my vow. Some of you today need to make that decision. Some of you today need to make good on some promises that you've made to God. Some of you need to make good for the sake of your marriage. Some of you need to make good for the sake of your family. Some of you need to make good in the area of serving, giving, getting in a small group to get connected with other believers. You, you've told God one of these days you'll do it. Right, will you do it? Some of you need to make good on, yeah, I know I need to be discipled. And I know I need to disciple others. And, you know, it was the last thing Jesus told us to do. Go and make disciples. Maybe I should do that. Some of you need to make good on what you've committed to God and what you've promised and said you would do. And then Jonah closes with the theme of the Bible. You know what the theme of the Bible is? It's the last few words of Jonah's prayer. You can underline it, highlight it. Salvation is of who, church? The Lord. That's the theme of the Bible, isn't it? Salvation is of the Lord. At this point, no one and nothing could save Jonah but one person, and that was Almighty God. There was nothing Jonah could do to save himself. There was no work, no religious act, nothing. He had to fully throw himself at the mercy of God and surrender to his will. But here's the deal. That's the best place for us to be in our life. There's no better place for us to be than to say, God, I fully surrender. I can't do it. I give up. I give in. I'm trusting you, God. And Jonah realized through this prayer and what God was doing that God was not trying to pay him back he was trying to win him back and it worked and that's what some of you need to hear this morning God's not trying to pay you back He's trying to win you back how will you respond? are you tired of running? are you ready to just fully surrender like Jonah to God's will and plan for your life and begin to once again experience the Hasid, his mercy his grace his pursuing loving relationship because there's nothing that can take the place of that nothing let's pray together Your heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment I know that God is speaking to some of you maybe many of you this morning some of you would say I'm tired of chasing worthless idols tired of running I don't want to wait until I'm in the belly of Sheol in my affliction to turn back to God and some of you would say it's too late I'm already in the belly of Sheol in the affliction well it's still not too late as we see in Jonah's story so some of you honestly you cannot believe that we are talking about this this morning and this book of the Bible, that God has led us to this. It's as if we were following your life with a video camera and designing a message just for you. That's God. That's God doing that in your life. Some of you, you might feel like you're at the lowest point in your life that you've ever been. Are you ready to look up to God? God's trying to win you back. And those of you that feel like you're too far away from God? That's a lie from Satan. No, you're not you call on him and cry out to him he will respond to you the same way he did with Jonah. He will hear he will answer he will bring you up doesn't mean there won't be consequences but you'll be back in a right relationship with him and there's nothing better than that I'm talking to believers right now. Those who put their faith and trust in Christ but maybe you've drifted or or feel like you've been running away and it's time time to surrender. There's something God has calling you to or calling you from I'm going to ask you to do something I don't think I've ever done this in the eight years of the history of Orchard Church but I feel like this is such a significant message and I want it to be memorable I'm going to ask you in just a moment, not yet I'm going to ask you to stand if God is speaking to you in some way this morning and you would say, I want to fully surrender there's something in my life I, I need to fully surrender to God I want you to in a moment to stand and I'm gonna pray over you. If you can't stand for God here among family and friends, you won't live for God out there. And I want you to remember this day as the day that you made a decision to surrender fully to God's will and plan for your life. Whatever it is, it's between you and God. I don't know, but God does. So on the count of three, if God's speaking to you and you want to surrender to Him, I'm I'm gonna have you stand. I don't know if there'll be one or if there'll be a hundred but it doesn't matter even if there's one this message has been worth it one two three amen 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 let me pray over you Father I just want to pray over all these people right now that are standing to their feet and surrender to you whatever it is in their life, whatever they're going through, whatever's going on, wherever you're calling them to or from, that they would surrender to you, God. They would cry out to you, whether it's in a time of affliction or, or you just using this story of Jonah's affliction to get their attention. you got it. And I pray, God, they would remember this day. It would be a turning point in their life in the days and months and years to come as they put feet to their decision. Give them the strength, Lord. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, your love. Thank you, Lord, that you you never stop chasing us when we run from you. And that even when things happen in our life of our own choosing and creation, you're a gracious, gracious and merciful God and you give us a second chance. Thank you for that, God. I pray that you give strength to all these people that are standing right now to do whatever you're calling them to do as they leave this place today. You may be seated. God bless you guys. You may be seated heads bowed and eyes closed I want to talk to one other group of people just real quick if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior this is how we end every service if you've never invited if if you can't look back to a point in your life and say that was the day that I surrendered my life to Jesus and invited Him to be my Lord and Savior whether you know it or not biblically you've been running from God spiritually you've been running from God but here's the good news He's been chasing you your whole life Would today be the day that you turn around and you run into his arms of salvation and mercy and grace and forgiveness? And if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that right now. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm just going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. It's a prayer of faith that you can pray from your heart to God's right now where you sit. Now listen, it's not a magic prayer. It's not magic words. But if you put belief and faith behind it, salvation is of the Lord. He will save you today. He'll forgive you. He'll give you eternal life. So if you're ready to pray that prayer with me, let's do it together. Here it goes. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for me to pay for my sins so that I could be forgiven and have eternal life. Today, Jesus, I invite you into my life. I don't want to run any longer be my Lord be my Savior thank you Jesus for saving me thank you for bringing me up out of the pit With heads bowed and eyes closed we we'll look around for just a moment I don't want to embarrass anybody but if you just prayed that prayer of faith for the very first time I-, I want to pray for you personally would you just slip up your hand and say yeah I prayed that prayer of faith for the first time I, I just want to pray for you Encourage you. Anyone like that? Just slip it up and put it down. Yeah, I prayed that prayer of faith in my seat today. God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just put it up. Yeah, I prayed that prayer of faith for the first time today. Anyone else? All right, let me pray for you. Father, thank you for those who put their faith and trust in you today in our first and second service. I pray, Lord, that they would grow in their relationship with you each and every day. That as a church, we come alongside them and, and accept them the way you do with grace and mercy and love and help them in their walk with you. Help us to disciple them to maturity so they can disciple others and bring other people into your kingdom. And Lord, thank you for the book of Jonah and the incredible truths and how practical it is to our life. Today, thank you that salvation is of the Lord. That when we were without you and hopeless, you reached down to us and you brought us up and you saved us. And we thank you for that. And We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you made a decision for Jesus Christ this morning. Uh, to invite Him into your life as Lord and Savior please let us know about that on your connection card there in your newsletter you can just give us your name and contact information and check the box I Accepted Christ we'll send you a book in the mail called Seven Steps to Joy help you in your new walk with Christ if you're a first time guest thank you so much for being with us worshiping with us today and being in God's word Uh, we hope we've been a blessing to you you've certainly blessed us if you filled out your connection card as a guest drop that in the offering bucket we receive our gifts in just a moment we'll just send you a thank you note and a coupon for the free Chick-fil-A sandwich to miss that um, next week you don't want to miss as we continue on with Jonah and we watch Jonah go to Nineveh obey God it takes some interesting twists and turns have you enjoyed Jonah so far church uh, I have man this has been good stuff I tell you so hey let's celebrate decisions for Christ today as we stand and worship God bless you guys